Welcome to So You Went to School for Singing, the podcast. I am your host, Andre Peel, and thank you so much for joining the conversation. Each episode, a guest and I talk about all things singing, the career, education, and so much more. All right, let's get started. All right, today we have an old favorite back. Logan Weber, tenor hey everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having um, me back. Yes, full disclosure, this is our holiday episode, and so it's probably not going to be as professional as the other ones have been. But it's still going to be but, great. But it's still great. Great <laughs> content, A-plus conversation. Oh, yeah. So, Logan, welcome back. Um, catch us up, because it, you were the first episode. Can't even tell you when that was. Was that... April? March? It was March or April. It was March or April of this year. I was living in a different house with my mother. And now... Time has changed. The times have changed. changed. Um, I am now by myself um, just because, uh, you know, it's... uh, Spoiler alert, the coronavirus. And I was living with my mom. It it, it has not gone away. Um, You know, just saying. And I thought... It probably isn't smart to be an opera singer who's going to take your mask off and be around other people potentially and then come and see your mother and put her at risk. So um Exactly. Yeah, I uh I moved down into Winston or I guess up up into Winston um right before school and basically I've I've had a really good time doing this um being at Fletcher Refining Again, skills. Second oh, yeah, spoiler alert. Or the sun. We're still here. <laughs> we're both still here. We're both still at Fletcher. Um, and honestly, like, incredibly fortunate. Um, we had talked yes. about this, I think, in our, our first talk. It, we, were, we were very fortunate to be able to perform. And especially yes. in this year, seeing a lot of... I mean, it just spikes up and down of people being able to do gigs or just, you know, trying to do gigs or not feeling compelled. It, it was nice to, and we were very lucky to have some sort of place that we could have some sort of output in terms of making art. Yes. Um, a lot of output. A A lot of output actually. Yeah. And we were also, I think, really lucky. This has been a very good year, I think, for all artists, because not just, you know, you're trying to make your way in terms of what do we do with art, but also how do you make money and pay rent mm. in a pandemic when a lot of people lost jobs? And um, my mom had been really trying to get me to try some online teaching stuff. And she had talked to me a little bit about uh, VIP Kid. And I jumped on board with that. Oh, I jumped on board with that in September. I was finally officially hired in September. Yes. And I can tell you right now, because this is kind of exciting for me, if I go to my profile and I go to Insights, I have taught 3,450 minutes with VIP Kid. Um, 
I have taught 138 classes, technically, and I've been with them for 111 days. Look so, at you. It's, uh, I really love it. You're teaching English to um, kids overseas, and it's kind of therapeutic during something like this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that, that was part of it. Being able to perform at Fletcher was a part of it. Being able to just kind of, you know, circle back to yourself yes. and, you know, find ways to make sure, you know, if because you're not performing. And I think everybody kind of, in a way, it forced everybody to take a break. Mm -hmm. the coronavirus did and you could say what what do i need for myself right now not in a selfish way just in a you know how am i doing yes. and that's important and i think <laughs> if you you know and i think there's still opportunities to take that time and i think it was a good year to just say how can i help myself to be better as a person, to be better as an artist, to just make sure you know that I have my priorities set. I, I honestly think there was a lot of good that came out of this year. That's kind of my my abridged version of a catch up. Yes. I know it was a little scattered, but thank no, you. No, I, <laughs> I think it, it, it let a lot of people have perspective. I think sometimes in what we do, there's so much pressure pressure to sing better, pressure to sing better, why? Pressure to sing better so I can get a gig, pressure to sing better to get ahead in this career. And sometimes it's all about the getting better and less about the making of the art. And I think COVID, when it took away the gigs, I think a lot of people had to remind themselves of why they actually do it. And a hundred percent decided like, oh, wait, I was only doing this for the paycheck and now I'm not getting a paycheck. Maybe I don't like this anymore. Or maybe <laughs> maybe there's other ways that I want to to use music that maybe isn't for a paycheck. And I do something else for a paycheck and then I sing for maybe my heart or whatever. And I think it allowed people to self analyze. Why am I doing this? Do I still want to do this? And. And also realizing it's like, there are no gigs. How do I still find validation? Where's my validation from? And that right there, actually, like that self-reflection of like, do I feel like I am validated right now as a performer? And that is, that is important. And at what point with everything like you just said, cause it's not, you know, it, it's about the experience as an artist and all of this, but at some point also, are you happy? Yes. And what can you do to give yourself drive or motivation? I'm not even say be happy, but give yourself, you know, the gas to make different kinds of art and the gas to give you drive to better yourself as an artist, because, you know, you go gig to gig to gig to gig to gig. And it, it can be very very rewarding. It can be very rewarding. It can also be sometimes depleting. It can be tiring. And you want to make sure for yourself, you know, that you're doing okay. And yeah. that you feel like you're valid, like the work that you're doing is validated that, you know, I went to school for this is this, 
how I should be performing right now? Is this how I want to be performing right now? Are there things that I could be doing that would help me even more right now? And this break, I think, helped a lot of people kind of establish, you know, kind of readjust where their mind was and be like, oh, I, these are some things I can like level out now. And I think a conversation for another podcast that probably couldn't be aired live, but I think there's also <laughs> been this like resurgence of like the young artists taking their autonomy back and like, what am I going to audition for? Do I want to, do I want to pay this amount of money? Do I want to do that? Yeah. Should I do that? And I, and and it's unfortunate that it had to be wrapped in the the box of COVID. But I do think there's a lot of important conversations about even the art and the work that we do and what that looks like and how artists are being treated. Because I do think, like you said, you said happy. And I, and I think sometimes it's like, am I happy? And what does that mean? Should you be happy? And I think yeah. people are realizing like sometimes singing isn't happy for a lot of people it's work it's not happy and it's like should you be shooting for happy should you be shooting for yeah. life that you can wake up and go to bed and be like oh that was a good day i feel like i i gave to the world i positive like i received from the world positively yes and, and does that necessarily have to be tied up in what my vocal cords did today exactly and it, it, happiness is it's just a word it does not yes. that should not be like your overarching goal. I don't, yes. I don't think, but I think yeah. that experience as an artist of, you know, what is your output? What is your input? Can you push the boundaries more for yourself? And then how can you make the experience that much more engaging for the people around you? And you don't want to settle. You just don't want to settle. And I think nope. this was a very good time to say, you know, we're not going to settle. And like you said, uh, young artists having a voice and again we're not going to digress yes, too far I know, I know. Yes, yes uh but i did say something earlier i remember in our last podcast and i'm so happy it happened um i did not apply for many gigs this year like just on my own you know logan's life quest yeehaw didn't mm -hmm. didn't do too much there um but i was happy to see that so many companies actually were willing to lower make mm -hmm. free ju just they they were adjusting to the economic times yes so you weren't fronting um you know some people front a thousand dollars if not more Honestly, uh, well really it's more because of the airplane tickets yes. and all of that um and i think it maybe was a little bit eye-opening to some uh some companies seeing how many people then would actually apply because yeah. when you lower your application fee you're potentially going to get a lot more applicants in that pool because people can afford it now and um you know <laughs> i think it just story <laughs> well, yeah I, I, I just i think this year yeah. you know, it put a lot in perspective i think yeah, this year put yeah. a lot in perspective um in a good way in a very good yeah. way so Another thing that you also, before we go on, um, I, a podcast I was listening to talked about how we shouldn't search for happiness because happiness is not necessarily fleeting, but it comes and goes. 
but we should search for joy and finding and joy is kind of like a, a sustaining feeling and i think even through this artistic it's like am, am i making joyful art and am i is, is singing or music bringing joy because sometimes like we've talked about or people understand like you don't have great singing days but like you still can find joy because you feel like this is what i'm doing and i think yeah. a lot of people have been uh, asking themselves, does this still spark joy? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so um, so another thing that you started during our COVID experience is you started a podcast. Um, can you give us some information on that? And what have you learned through the podcast? And also plug it in so people can know how to find oh, yeah. it and listen. Oh, this is my plug. Uh, Showcase at the Smith. I started around April. I think I started it just a little bit after you had started yours. Um, we don't have nearly as many episodes. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> but what I can tell you is the whole goal had been to utilize local artists in North Carolina. And I'm talking like rural artists out in um, Lexington, in Denton, um, a lot of them, I think we can in some ways call them what we are essentially like a blue collar artist. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you're working constantly um, trying to make paintings. We had muralists. I had uh, actors. I had a lot. I, you were on there, which yes. is about to come out. That is about to yes. come out. Um, <laughs> I've had photographers. I've had just a really nice group of local artists. And I try to center it on questions like, why do you do this? How did you get into it? What is your background in North Carolina? And what is your advice to anyone trying to pursue this in you know, our field right now? So if I had somebody in high school or somebody you know, that's just out of college and they were like, I want to do this for a living. What advice do you have for them? And those answers I thought were so um, kind of opening and very worldly. And at the same time, they all kind of center around the same idea of, you know, don't settle. That was a big common thing is, you know, none of them settled and they kept pushing. I have a muralist in Lexington and she's gone all over the world. She was in, I believe she was in Spain, New Zealand, um, and she had commissions everywhere. Wow. And she just ended up in Lexington and her stuff is incredible. Her murals were incredible. And um, we have the Lexington Youth Theater and talking to these directors about how do they teach children? How do we get in our current world right now, theater, into schools? How do we make sure these kids understand, um, you know, the aspects of live theater when a lot of times funding is being cut in places? Yeah. So, you know, you need to have these outputs. And on my own personal adventure with it, I can tell you that each episode sounds almost completely different outside <laughs> of the intro and the ending because I had played with, um, you know, different ways to record. Yeah. And that I thought was pretty eye-opening too, because I we've done the earbud, AirPod thing. Yes. Um, I've used 
I guess, station setup I made at the Civic Center with different mics. I've recorded through the sound system at the Civic Center. It was a crash course in different ways to do sound. New the skills. first one, yes. oh, totally. The first episode, in my opinion, is not the strongest in terms of sound quality and audio quality. <laughs> uh, you might sound like you're in a submarine, but uh, the interview itself was very good. And that was Lexington New Theater wonderful group of people and it you know you just want to keep supporting these artists and make sure they have an output especially right now making sure your local artists their voice is heard and making sure people know like okay if i want a photographer i've got this person i want a public speaker i have this person i want somebody to help tutor my kid in theater with monologues and stuff like that we have a person for you that was kind of the goal and I'm happy to say it had a huge uh, following. We actually ended up having an international following and a lot of viewers in France and Germany because wow. I believe one of the Lexington Live or Youth Lexington Youth Theater kids was over there. And I believe they had to get stuck there for a little bit because of the whole... Yes. Therefore, they showed their friends... <laughs> And then we had these listeners in Europe. Like I would just go through on like our Buzzsprout page and I'm like, why do we have like three people out of Normandy, France listening to this right now? And then it was like seven in Paris. And then it was like, what's going on? And then lo and behold, it's pretty cool. You just, you never know who's listening. And more than that, they started to follow. So it was interesting. And they would be like, oh, look, there's like this, art scene in you know the more rural parts of north carolina and the whole thing is it's everywhere but we need to make sure as artists ourselves that we keep giving back and giving just everybody needs a voice especially right now everybody needs a voice and if you can make that platform you should be able to use it and i think sometimes a rabbit hole that again that for another day is Sometimes I think as young artists, we get caught up thinking that we're not yet ready to hop in that give back position, that we're still getting. It's like, oh, I'm still learning how to sing. I'm still, and so we're in, always in this phase of, I need to get more information. I need to get more information. And we imagine that there's this random day where we've gotten the information. And now, we can give back to our younger pupils. Yeah. But I think, and something that I noticed that the School of the Arts does that they didn't do when we were students, but they have it now, like the whole artist core. Where, arts core, uh, yep. Where you have these undergrads, yes, they're still learning how to sing, but yes, they're learning theory and all those things in school. But even then, you might not know how to, I don't know, harmonically analyze a piano sonata but you can still bring art and still share teach younger people than you and it's not that you have to wait to this point where you have x amount of degrees or x amount of lines in your resume before now you are worthy of talking or give sharing and i think that's something that i think is so good uh, about where we are now in your podcast is that everybody, every artist, wherever you are, you, you can give back. And yes. you giving your art is giving back and like really leaning into it and not 
thinking that you have to wait until you have gotten to a certain imaginary place in your head before you before what you have to say is valuable and like knowing that everything you have to say is valuable now yeah um but so you mentioned your growth as a audio engineer because that's what you have to do to do these podcasts often which i think um, collectively I, the arts world just had a crash yes, course and how to do audio and video <laughs> specifically churches it's so funny poor preachers and especially for small churches poor preachers or like maybe a secretary now have to learn how to be cinematographers audio engineers and oh <laughs> putting videos together and it's it's been so interesting that we have been thrown into, it's like, oh, I, you know, maybe one day I'll get into uh, video work. And it's like, no, now I have to get- You're gonna do it right now. You're right gonna now, do it, you're right gonna now. do it right now and it's gonna be great. So uh, as singers, one thing that this has opened up and this has happened for both of us, virtual singing, virtual choirs, virtual, 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 virtual. And it's allowed us both to kind of record for churches in other states. I know we both sing for churches in Atlanta or the Atlanta yep. area, even from <laughs> yeah. our lowly positions in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, but and it's so funny. There's so many things that we're learning and so many stressful things in recording. And it's so struggle. And I think everybody who's had to record can relate to the countless, countless things that happen. Oh yeah. Um, how, you know, when you're in church, when you're in church service and you're singing hymns, it's like, it's you and a whole bunch of people. And it's like, oh, okay, I got the first verse. And then like certain words fall, but it doesn't matter because your neighbor- Yeah, you might be on verse two, you might be singing verse like four and you're like, oh, well, we're gonna go back. We're gonna go back. But when it's you, by yourself, you're like, okay, I've sang first one perfectly. And you know, you have four verses to do and you're recording and you get to verse two and you mess up a word. And it's like, oh, I have to start and do this all over again. And yep. then you do it again. You might get to verse right to the end of verse four, two more words to the finish line. You mess up one and you're just like, <sighs> oh, I mean, like my favorite is we have, um, six cats around where I live. Two of them are community cats and a dog that lives right behind me. And I was going through hymns and I had to do five takes of a hymn because <laughs> this dog could not stop just like trying to steamroll these cats next door. And I was like, I don't know what to do right now. Like I have to have these in, in roughly an hour. And this dog wants to eat them alive. And I was like, well, you know, you're going to do your best, move your setup. And I, they're just, I think for me, it's just made a whole bunch of entertaining stories that you can tell people yes, because yes. it's like, you're going through and you're doing a great job. And you're like, man, that was the best take I could have done of that. And then you're like, I didn't hit the record button. Oh, that's, yeah. or my, the other favorite the two favorite notifications I have while I'm recording are you didn't turn it on to like, you know, uh, airplane mode, phone call halfway yep. through and you're like, great. So that just halted the recording. My favorite, favorite one is when your phone fills up 
and you're legit you're out of storage and it just says yeah you can't record anymore and i'm like but i <laughs> i was so close i was i was right there and you can oh my goodness i um one church that i sing record for it because of what how many tablets and phones can you have and so there's one point where i was using my phone to record me and i was using my ipad to read the music but i also needed a device to play the sound so that i can sing to it to be recorded a cappella. and so you have like a corded uh earphones in one ear one ear free so you can make sure that you're singing in tune and it's just so many hoops and it's so funny because we're doing it for music and you see the final product and you're like who knew this could be so beautiful who knew that this could work who knew yes. that this would actually work and yes. again it's like god bless these people who have to put like 30 40 choir singers together and try to make like an S cut off, cut off together. Because I'm like, it's already hard enough to try to make yourself look good, but to make 40 people sing together in like, you know, a two week span and it's like four hymns. I'm like, man, you guys are like, those are like the true heroes right now. Yes. Like of, yes. of the singing arts. Those people have had to put that together like hats off. I can't imagine. I cannot Gold imagine. Star. I hope they all get raises. <laughs> um, there today, um, some choir, because I don't remember, is doing a virtual Messiah. Soprano Brandy Sutton is singing and Lawrence Brownlee is tenor. And they're doing a virtual Messiah. I have no idea how that's happening. But I, and I hope I'm not missing it right now. I don't think so. I think it's later. But mm -hmm. it's like big works, virtual. Yeah. How? Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of big works, um, there was some uh, drama in our opera world that is always so quiet and so full of kindness. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Oh, everyone caught that sarcasm. Um, but anyway, um, a famed opera singer <laughs> got some flack and was thrown into the to the fire and into the spotlight for a Christmas album. Tenor Jonas Kaufman released a Christmas album. And it wasn't the fact that the whole album was uh, thrown <laughs> under the bus, but it started with, and this is probably great PR, and he probably did it on purpose, and it's good for him. It got eyes on his album. He did a rendition of Mariah Carey's famous <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is You. Is You. The whole title? I believe it is. Yeah. I've only watched it in Love Actually, but yes, I do believe it is the entire <laughs> title of that song. And so people had a lot of things to say. And so I feel like that was just only one of the talking points. I think the second big talking point is that Kaufman decided to do a Christmas album of, let me make sure I get the right amount of number. 42 tracks. The fact that he actually held 
had um, a... <laughs> the fact that he actually had the time, the orchestration, the studio time, people put it together, the mixing... Children's time. Choir. Do not a forget that there is choir. a children's choir in this as well. And I, one could only assume that he has been working on this for years. Because I can't imagine that this happened during COVID. Well, all I together. can't either. And I, I personally, like I've had it on throughout the season. And yes. I think there's some... There's some really, like, honest to God, really, really good stuff. Like, Silent Night, I think yes. is gorgeous. And if you have the time to listen to um, or watch the music video of it, it's so, it is so German. Because you have these marionette, uh, the marionette dolls going around and him singing and a dancer. And um, it's him singing in the background. And to me, it embodies a lot of that, that culture. And it's something, because again, it, <laughs> Mariah Carey is like the American Christmas in yes. a lot of ways. Like there's Christmas in different countries in a lot of different ways. And when you see like a true German like Christmas, it, it really, I thought it was very touching. I thought there was a lot of good stuff throughout this album and what i appreciated was he did an album with multiple languages again yes. with a children's choir and there is so much in there that i think is is touching that embodies like again this is supposed to be a season of joy um <laughs> what <laughs> like 2020 i know i know and it <laughs> And I honestly think that all I want for Christmas is you. I think it's fun. I think it's, you know, and I think that's what he wanted. And I think it all, at the end of the day, um, it brought some light into my life. And the other thing that I have seen, I don't know about it on your end, um, I have seen so many of my friends putting out either little Christmas recordings or full-on CDs this yes. year specifically. People are just throwing them out there. And which I, I love because it then, first of all, shows there is a, you know, a want from artists to put this out there. And um, that culture, that holiday culture is very much alive. And I, again, in a year with so, so many ups and downs, and I'll be like many more downs yes. than there were ups, many more. It's so nice to have things, you know, where somebody took, and I'm, I want somebody to sit in front of me and list off the top of their head, 42 Christmas songs. <laughs> I want, and then this guy did it. This guy did, and he sings them beautifully. And there were some in here that I had never, there, there were some that I had I never remember. even heard of. And uh, Lost und Froh und Munter Sein is amazing. And it just sounds like a sled going all over the place uh, with this wonderful little tra-la-la-la-la throughout it and this uh, call and response with the choir and he. And it's so fun. It is so fun. And 
again, you look at his music videos and they're so fun. I mean, like, yeah, the dude took a fake hand of snow, blew it into the camera. <laughs> and you know what? I was there. I was there for it. And I was like, dude, you got it. This is, it's a good CD. It's a good CD. I think you, you, everything you said was beautiful and I'm going to be the trashier side just real quick <laughs> is that I think that the reception of that album showed how famous Jonas Kaufman is because we this isn't surprising like anytime in the popular world like time Beyonce releases something or Dell releases something of course there are people who will always find there are always people who find something to be like oh I don't like this wow ah, this was silly mm-hmm. And it just shows you that, you know, A, you can't please everyone. And, and I remember, and I feel like there's only a few opera singers who've gotten that famous where they can cause that much of a stir. Renee Fleming did it when she released her Dark Hope album and her Haunted, ja- Haunted Hearts or something jazz album. And the reality is, yes. I like both of them. And it's Same. Just, <laughs> I think we also have to remember that Though, whether famous or unfamous, or less famous, artists have things that they want to say. And just because they don't say what you want them to say, or say <laughs> it in the way that you want them to say it, doesn't mean it's less good. Yeah. And I do think some people are, are haters, if we can use that word, that he was able to do what he wanted and still get paid. Because a lot of us, if I release a Christmas album right now, I... You know, maybe I have enough streams to get maybe $10. But, and some people are like, he did all this and he probably got a good amount of money. I mean, are people really making a lot of money on albums this anymore? Oh, I mean, that's, that should be a podcast in and of itself. If you're going to do them, they're, they're that, that'd be a good topic to cover. So I just think everybody who is upset, it's like, look, if you're upset because you wish that you could be an artist and make any kind of song that you want to guess what spoiler alert you can that's the whole thing i think we should have learned this year is you can throw an iphone in front of your face sing whatever you want and put it out there like you can because i that culture i think has sometimes just in general, and especially in the U.S., because we're a very, um, we are very showy in a lot of ways. We are very, um, you know, we have to see the big, gaudy, bright, loud, um, bigger is better sometimes, those, those themes. Um, and sometimes I, I think comes out when we critique and we get very vocal and very loud and it's like, no, I, I think this guy made Christmas the way he knows Christmas. And that's, Christmas is not an exclusive thing. And it's not like, oh, okay, well, I don't like how he did Christmas. Therefore, you know, no, <laughs> no, that, that is not how we should treat Christmas. Yeah. Like, if you're doing that, I, I would say recalibrate some of your thoughts. I know yes, like people life, are gonna your choices. Yes. People yeah. will critique, you know, people's artistry and stuff like that, but 
when it comes to something like that, where it's like you are, you are putting out something that you have your heart invested in like that. No, not everyone's probably going to like it. Um, but I think also rest assured that probably quite a few people will, honestly. Um, I also love, uh, he has a great Dishon Amilaren. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Um, and I think it's very much a journey. Like if you were to, if I was to watch him sing it staged, mm-hmm. I would believe it. Yeah. And um, the same kind of goes for this Christmas album. It tells a story and a lot of Christmas songs that I never even was aware of. And y'all, I love the holidays. Like we hit November one, that stuff's on repeat for Logan, yes. but that's me. Um, speaking of favorite holiday songs, what are some of your favorite holiday songs that you like to sing? Um, I think in my family, for sure, Silent Night always comes up. It's always just kind of, I think, been a, one of the big holiday theme songs for us. My, both of my families are very, like, Zimmerman and Weber are the two title names that come down to where I am so we're German like it's a lot of German it's a lot of French it's a lot of Russian um so uh Stille Nacht is always somewhere in there I love Carol of the Bells always have (laughs) loved Carol of the Bells to me it's the most compelling like I love Mannheim Steamroller Carol of the Bells um also, I love their Christmas albums. My favorite choral piece is uh, this Christmas tie, Jesse's uh, Jesse song. Like, R.I.P. to the Queen. Keep going. She, <laughs> that to me is, to me, that's like peak Christmas. That is yeah. like, yeah. she yeah. gave her heart and soul when she sang that. And this, like, children's choir like what i love is like they're not holding on for dear life they are also singing their hearts out and it's like so it's just so beautiful it's like i i love this this to me is what a good christmas carol it's not really a carol but what a good christmas piece is Uh, i (laughs) i was wondering if i wanted to talk about this i i find you know and where we are in the our classical world, we're pushing more uh, new works, yeah, and more contempt- like more things happening now that relate to now, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because, especially on the classical side or whatever that would mean, I don't feel like we have a lot of now Christmas songs. I feel like this Christmas tie, Jesse's song. It's one of the only ones where it's just like, oh, and because it, like it's for Jesse Norman, she uh, she's only been alive but so was only alive yeah. for so long, or in terms of century wise, and so that's new-ish. But it's like a lot of the other things that we sing are very old. Not saying that's bad or that's not relatable uh, music, but yeah, I'm curious, and I think sometimes, and I will say this that we. And maybe not we, because we weren't born yet. We did a, do a disservice, did a disservice of not pushing American songs in general to the forefront. And now we're paying for it a little bit. 
because I agree. don't have as many standards, especially in the classical world. I mean, if you, if we're doing like secular, there's a ton. Chestnuts roasting on it. Like, well, I was also going to say, didn't Ariana Grande just have like a Christmas she, special on? Uh, oh, Mariah Carey that, did. Very Mar- close. Doesn't Ariana sing with her at one point? She does. She yeah. Does. Okay. Okay. Um, so the answer to your question, yes. <laughs> But, but not I, in terms of like the classical world of American yes. holiday songs. Like if Logan, and, the classical tenor, was going to do a recital of Christmas songs, a recital not amplified, just you and a piano, of classical-ish Christmas songs from the last hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> the, my I question would, would be, what would be on that? And would anyone know them? Well, I fortunately can pull up Jonas Kaufman's 42 Christmas songs, and I'm sure I can pull some from this, because it would be things like, yeah, Silent Night. But, it, but when uh, was Silent, was that, but like, when was that written? Oh, well, that's, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, Let It Snow, Winter Wonderland, this is a, like pre the seventies, a lot of those have stayed. Anything like post the seventies, because I mean, you have a lot of people who listen to Rent for the holidays. And, yeah, like and that's <laughs> I know, like that's that's where I'm going right now. Is like a lot of people consider that to be like their their Christmas album. Um, so yeah, I think it would be nice to see a resurgence of classical american um like compositions like new works in terms of the holidays because you see it almost everywhere else and i mean i love listening to like christmas jazz Mm -hmm. like christmas jazz great and you know a pop christmas a little hit or miss for logan but you know there's some good stuff there but like you said something you said about the do you say pre-70s Christmas yeah. music that are staying around. I think this might get me into hot water. But I think one could argue that the way people sang back then was closer to mm, a lot of more vibrato. Those songs can be sung now by classical singers and it sound the way that close to the way it sounded when people sang. But you know, we don't sing with yes. vibrato as much now. So like, all I want for Christmas is you, bringing it back to Mariah Carey and Jonas Kaufman. A classical singer using classical tools. Yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily have the same effect. And I guess, so I don't know if that's a compositional thing, if that's just a stylistic uh, music thing. Um, well, part of it but also just that. might be that our ears are so, again, as Americans, knowing All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey or the little girl that sang in Love Actually, like, that stuck with you. Like, those yes. sounds are, that, that's where that it's sound lives. Culture. It's a part yeah, of the culture. It's, it's legitimate culture. And when you hear, again, it's like classical singers doing... Um, any kind of like when we get into pop tunes and stuff like that, uh, you know, a lot of times it's met with a bit of like, whoa, 
this is different. I'm not sure how I feel about this. And there are those 80s videos of the rock messiahs that happened that I, I, I still it. don't understand. Uh, but my, again, it's, it's a flip clean, side of it. Uh, Gladys Knight singing, oh, I know that my redeemer lives. <laughs> uh, so good. So good. I mean, is it the way we listen, like to listen to it? No. I mean, not no, the way we're used but... to listening to it. Not like used to oh. listening to it. No. But also, whatever. <laughs> like, literally, it's like, it's just another thing. Like you walk, like, we literally go on to Apple Music and you're like, oh, okay, which one do I want to listen to? Oh, there's like seven recordings of All I Want for Christmas is You. Okay, maybe it wasn't this one. There's a next button. And guess what? Yes. There's something else after that next button. And you can find the one that like suits your soul. You don't have to stick with the mainstream Mariah Carey, not putting yes. her down because hers was good. No, but that's where we are in general. It's like, I don't know. And I, and I think it's going to be interesting for me to see where classical music goes because we are at that point now and some people will hate it is that I, I always go to Countess and Figaro, but are we going to get to the point where they're going to be just how many ways to sing Dove Sono? Like, how big are, how different is it going to get? And, and, <laughs> and how, where are we going to go where it's like, oh, that's not the version that I'm used to. That's not how, I don't know, Renee Fleming sang it. But, huh. It's interesting and like how, because we are with classical music seeing this pull out of tradition and how yeah. far is this pull of, of tradition going to stretch and what sounds are we going to hear? And is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Who knows? Like we are pushing more contemporary pieces. Does that mean, and again, people are probably going to shudder and roll over, but does that mean we're going to start hearing different adaptations of Mozart. Yes, there will always there will always be people who do Mozart the way that quote unquote we say Mozart should be done. Yeah. But will we be opening in this stretch? Will we'll be leaving room for people to take Mozart and like I don't know, met, do things with it. It's like what keeps other genres from doing a Don Giovanni the way that people have done Messiah? Yes. And it and will we have how inflexible will we be and how will we like fall like go, okay, that's different, maybe not my favorite, but different. Or will we harden <laughs> and get very like, no, it can't be done that way. I feel like that's always gonna be a theme, no matter what we do, is like there's always gonna be a group of people that just say, No, you don't do it that way. And there's gonna be another group, the group coming up that says, No, we should try it this way now. So I feel like that, that part of history. Our generation and the generations coming. Oh yeah. The, yes. what? So it'll be That's where to me it's like history is pretty cyclic in yeah. that like there's always like a group of people who are raised with a, a certain set of rules. No, you can't do that. Generation prior is like, we want to try something different. And yeah. it it can work. It may not, it may not work. You really don't know. Um, I mean, all that being said, there's a lot of good things on both sides of that argument. Yes. I mean, there's yes. a lot of, there's a reason some things work 
um, on the side of trying something new and on the side of, you know, it's always worked this way because, and then I think again, with the world, everything comes in balance. Yes, and you I hit that nice balance. One of my favorite um, in the art park in Winston-Salem, there's a gallery, maybe it's the gallery or outside the gallery, it says art for art's sake. Yeah. And every time I read that, yeah. that's, I, it, it, uh, I react differently every time and I have different perspective every time, but I love that phrase, art for art's sake, because sometimes it's like art for money's sake or art for yeah. selfish sake or art for anything other than art's sake. And like, what would it look like to do art just for art's sake? And without so much, and I know we live in a capital, capitalistic society, but what it looks like to make art without feeling like, oh, this, like, I have to do it and I have to make this amount of money so I can do another piece. And like, yeah. what if, if we just do it, if we just sang this aria, not because I need, I don't know, Wolf Trap Opera to like it and hire me, but like, I want to sing just because I'm looking at you, Il Mio Tesoro, because yeah. I don't know, something about this speaks to me and I don't know why and I just want to do it. And without putting on the, oh, because it's for my voice, it's Mozart, and they say I should sing Mozart and because I want to sing the role, like, outside of the big picture, just like the small, like, art for art's sake. Why? Cool. This is a cool Why not? Part. Yes. And I'm, even for myself, I'm always curious why, minus like range things, but like, why don't we just like sit on a piano with an aria book and just like sing through the arias and be like, oh, that's interesting. I'll probably never sing that, but why not? Art for <laughs> art's sake. And just getting out of that rat race that I think young artists do. It's like, I can only learn arias that could be, that could go to an aria package. And it's like, why? And the thing is, and people will argue because that's the world and that's the career right now. And it's like, yes, people do that all the time and never get an audition. So they just spent hours doing something to get nothing in return. So at least, like, I'm not saying you, you can't, you don't have to play the game to do your stuff. Yeah. But it's like, is there space to also sing for other reasons other than to get paid? Yes. I mean, it's also self-preservation. Because, I mean, you're helping your own sanity. You're helping, you know, make yourself be diverse. You're just trying to, you know, again, you're checking yourself. And open up a book. Look at as much of the rep as you can. And then it's like, will I ever touch this again? No. Will I ever sing Wagner in my life? No. But, but the thing is, and it's like, not right now. Because who knows? Ten years yeah. from now, it's like, who knows? And... And, and that's the thing, and I, I feel like we do such a disservice to students and ourselves by like putting boxes. And yes, I understand you need to be able to marketing, I know, yada, yada, but also life. It's not that deep. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I didn't mean to get on that um, soapbox, but. Uh, it's I important. It's important. <laughs> it is, it is. It's the holidays. Um, this is about giving. That's true. Give yourself art for yourself give yourself art for yourself guys yikes Woo. um so looking into 2021 i know a lot of people are looking forward to 2021 to fix all their problems of 2020 <laughs> god bless um so what things other than a vaccine are you looking forward to in the new year um god i I think in the new year, 
Yeah, first and foremost, I honestly think it's just it's going to be very similar to what we have right now. If I'm if I'm upfront, um, I don't think a lot's going to change for a bit because it's going to take a while to get the vaccine, and um, even then, we have a new president coming into office. I, I just feel like there's going to be still there's a lot of tension in this country, mm-hmm. and personally, for me, I have so enjoyed um finding you know rep that i like to sing Mm -hmm. um pursuing different types of artistic projects like podcasting uh going back and reading plays very fun love a good play and you know just like trying to keep myself worldly because i think when Prior to this year, a lot of it, I was like looking at, I need to work at this company. I need to work here, 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 here uh, in order to have a good career. Um, I went into the arts coming out of a musical theater background, mostly, mm-hmm. predominantly, um, and a and the Colorado Springs Children's Chorale. And I had no expectations I did not want to sing at the Met. I did not want to sing or perform on Broadway. I left high school and I just remember telling people, I just want to work as an artist. Like, I just want to work. Like, I worked with people constantly. Like, we were working with people who had been on the Les Mis tour. And those were most of my mentors. And they would sit there with people who had done community theater, regional theater, opera singers, like we had this conglomerate group, varying levels um, from where they had performed, mm-hmm. where we had seen them perform, but they all held a standard that was, you will push yourself, come hell or high water, to like the damnedest nth degree, and you will, you know, that is your accomplishment. Yep. And it wasn't about, I'm looking at this company, or I'm looking at this company, or I want to perform here. It was about having the opportunity to perform. And that to me, I think is what I'm, and even right now, it's just kind of what I've been trying to embody and I enjoy. And I'm, I love uh, the opportunities that we've had at Fletcher. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we've gotten more training. Yes. Because again, I think that's super important. Um, I don't think you should ever stop training. I'm looking forward to getting out of Fletcher and back kind of into this world now, especially because, you know, I, I was so scared without a job. If I didn't have a job outside of Fletcher, I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm about to do. And having this teaching kids gig, bring it back to VIP kid, come on, VIP kid, like they're not a sponsor for this podcast. They are not sponsoring, but my (laughs) God. God, have they saved me a bit. Like, it it really is a rewarding experience. And being out of school then and saying, like, looking at not the company, but looking at the show and looking at, you know, maybe I've had a lot of American training and I would like to have some European training. And I've been very lucky with where I've been able to work in the U.S., I would like to know what it's like somewhere else because 
to me, I think it all comes back and, you know, we're going to have to teach probably someday. I would. I mean, at the same time you're teaching now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like one day I will probably, if I have to teach theater to kids, which I've already done, but I think you just want to make sure they know as much as they can wherever they go. Cause I don't want to sit there and look at a kid and say, you're going to do a musical theater audition in New York when I've never done one and say, I know everything about it. I don't, I have a lot of friends who do, and I do talk to them. Um, but I never would want to be able to look at a student and say, I can give you information if I don't have it. And that's why for me, I really just want to get back out and keep working. Mm-hmm. I want to go find these places that are able to perform, figure out a way to get there and just keep trying. Or if I can't do that, then pass it back on. Find ways to teach kids and students currently because if there's something we need right now is to make sure those theater programs, those music programs, outreach opera stuff, like it has to keep going right now. Yeah, It has to keep going right now. So that's what I'm looking forward to is just kind of getting back into it with a lot of drive. Because a lot of my goals I accomplished this year. I accomplished a lot of the goals that I had wanted to, and I want to keep on that. Well, that is beautiful, and I have nothing to add because that was, uh, you said everything so lovely and articulate. Um, thank you so oh, much. Yeah. For... <laughs> thank you so much for uh, joining me again. Oh, yeah. Um, I... I'm sure the millions of fans of this podcast will um, be jumping for joy. And they should all donate a dollar to Andre Peel's podcast. <laughs> because it's the holidays. <laughs> and it's a time for giving and we want to support our artists. Yes. And Andre has done a very good job in making sure that a lot of singers have voices. So that is something I know on our end, we are all very appreciative of. I hope people have said that. I don't know if they have, but if they haven't, they do. I'm they sure do. they do. It's good. I, I, you know, I feel that one thing about this podcast that I like is that there are singers with varying like levels of quote unquote success or what we consider success. And, and, everybody's voice is so important it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> like, there's so many things that we just used to think mattered and i think COVID has taught us it doesn't it's like, but you matter like you as yes, a person you, yes, you matter you matter but the things it doesn't it doesn't oh you sang at this place cool 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 but like okay what else like and it, it's like yeah what do you have to say and if the answer is nothing then please i'm sorry i, I you have nothing for me. Um, yeah. And, and all the people that I have gotten to talk to, everyone has such, it's like, I want to root, I root for all of them, not just because they're talented, because whatever, everyone's talented in something, but because they all have, I don't know, a vision, a voice, a drive, and you want to see hardworking people succeed because it kind of keeps, keeps fueling other people to keep trying yeah um, and that's important to me because i think every there's always people who just need to see somebody 
keep trying for them to find the motivation to try or to keep going. And yeah. so um, that's something that is important to me. And I'm sure I'll see you back on this podcast at some point, maybe season I'm three. I'm sure. Maybe. Oh man, can I be like a regular? Like yes, once a season? Course, I am Logan, so uh, here for that. I am so yes, here for that. we'll do a Logan week and we'll just have a week. Oh man, I would love to talk. <laughs> oh yeah, I would love to. I, do, I wish, I just wish that, and I'll end it here. Unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, people who do podcasts and YouTube or whatever about like the world, social commentary. And I just yeah. sometimes feel like we're not yet there in the opera world where you feel like you have the space to talk about things without being afraid that like, oh, I'm never going to work again if I say something bad about something or not even bad, but just like express my opinion on this. And so I just feel like there's so many opera topics that people talk about behind closed doors because let's not kid ourselves, but that we just don't feel like we can talk, say out loud. Yeah. And I hope we do get to a point where we can say things out loud, call things what they are, because I think it's important. And so maybe one day this podcast would be even better where we're really just talking about things that we all experience do. Um, yeah. But I am still happy about where it is now. Um, and, and I have to remind myself, I don't know, we always want How's this? How is the audio? Like you said earlier, how is the audio? What is the visual? Can it be better? Do I need a better mic? And sure to all those things, but it's like, what is the quality? What is the content? Is the content real? Is the content if your content isn't good, there's no point in having a podcast because you can yes. have somebody crystal clear, and all they're saying is the ABCs. I know yes. that. I don't yes. need to hear it. Yes. Like you want good content, and no, I think I've loved it. I've loved your podcast. I think you're doing a great job. And I'm just happy to hear really just such a diverse group of your friends. It's really been nice to hear everybody's opinion and so many people doing so many different things, but with so many their different voice. things. And they're doing it, but they're they're doing it with their voice. Yes. And there are common themes with a lot of people, like between confidence and insecurities, and it's like it's reassuring. It's a yes. reassuring thing. And it's like, good. We're all kind of in this boat together. And that's a, that's a nice feeling to have. Well, on We're that it, Andre. note, <laughs> thank you, everyone. I will see you. Have a good holidays. And I will see you early 2021. I wonder how long it will take me to remember that next year's 2021 when I write the date down. <laughs> Happy holidays, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>